Hey guys, welcome back to God Bless You. I hope you're having a good day. Uh, I hope you uh, are ready for some good word today and good energy and understanding the promises of God a little bit deeper with this episode. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So um, appreciate if you gave it a listen. You know, there's some scripture in there. I listed it all in the um, details page. Um, I hope you can work with some of these ideas and help bring it into your understanding of God and of the world and of your relationship with him. Um, keep your head on a swivel. You know, God bless you. I hope you have a great day. Um, let's just open our hearts and our minds up to God and let's just ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit and fill us with energy and understanding that comes from only him and you know, work more deeply and more intimately with us in our day and our lives and to understand his word and to accomplish his goals in things. Um, I just ask, you know, uh, that Jesus bless us and open our heart and help us see the truth in things and help us deal with the, the problems and securities and troubles that he had already taken care of. And we just needed to know and accept that. So um, I hope that this episode in the show acts as a platform for that for for those things um i praise god and everything that i do i encourage you to do it as well and with uh his love and his guidance and acceptance of the things that we do we will grow so have a great day and here we go it's um it, but if you love the bible and you love the nuggets you find in the bible and you are working on your relationship with Jesus, it's just the work that we have to do. It's not dense. It's not hard. It just is because we are. And as God says, I am. And it's all just a presence of being. And it's all just a presence of being with God. And our responsibility as a Christian, or rather just a child of God, that's how we're going to move forward, saying that as a child of God um, who, who has Christ at the forefront. That is a requirement of being a child of God. I know what that sounds like, but it didn't come from me. Don't take it from me. I can't guarantee you anything. God is the one with the guarantees in forever, in eternity. Who can do that? Only God. And so that's why we're here. So today we're going to talk about believing God, believing that promise that was made to us, right? That's a part of our relationship with God. And part of that started with Abraham, right? God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you beyond all belief. Your, your children will be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the shore. He's, you know, you, you will be blessed beyond what you understand. And in Genesis 15, verse six, we're getting right into it today. Hey, welcome back. The power of faith today. Um, in Genesis 15, verse 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. And that, my friends, <laughs> that is good news. That is the good news before the good news, if you will. Right? So Jesus comes, and his message of the gospel in Greek, right, is good news in English. The gospel, the euangelion. Um that's a story that there is a savior in the land, and that is the good news. But before that, 
and almost preemptively, God organizes his relationship with his people and with his team, and he gives them clues and hints on how to be and how to live, right? The Bible's not a manual. It's definitely not a manual because we're not going to be in those same exact situations, right? Um, we do have to understand that humans have evolved, and rather technology has evolved. Humans very much the same, <laughs> and that is something that ranges through, um, ranges true through the Bible. But um, we're not going to be most likely. You and I are not going to be a shepherd in the field, and if you are, that's awesome, and that's what we're called to be. <laughs> but um, you probably work in an office or with your hands outside on buildings and, and machines and things. Um, the challenges that you face are different, but that's why we have to look at the Bible as giving us hints and clues and moving our general morals toward God, toward that direction, right? That's our responsibility. It's not to flip through the Bible, make sure we understand exactly how every single person reacted to every single thing, but organize our life toward God and reap the benefits. Like he tells us, there are many, including we will be blessed like Abraham. And that's part of what this is about today. But again, the good news before the good news, right? Abram believed the Lord and he credited him to a rather, and he credited to him as righteousness. Now, God wants us to be righteous. God wants us to pursue righteousness. He wants us to live according to his word, according to the justice that he brings, not that we can bring on ourselves, but that he brings. And sometimes that like doesn't really do it, right? That doesn't really satisfy what I need to do or how I need to believe or how I need to act in my day that shows that I believe, right? And I think that this verse Again, this is Genesis. This is the first book. This kind of sums up, in a way, how we need to act and how we need to live and believe. And again, it's uh, Genesis 15, verse 6. If you can, if you're in the car listening, I'll try to repeat it a couple times so you have it. But I'm going to end up going through some longer scripture today just to give the full perspective. Um, so I encourage you to go after and read it if you can. Take the time. It's so worth it. Um Genesis 15, verse 6, Abram, whose name hadn't changed to Abraham yet, sorry. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. So his belief in the Lord is what was credited to him as righteousness, right? His belief that God said what he would do was credited to him as righteousness, and that he would be there and he would deliver on the promise was the thing that God approved of and cared for as righteousness. Right? So that's the underlying idea here. That's the underlying idea idea of faith, right? Is that especially as you're new to the faith and you don't really understand and you don't really have fully grasped um, the power that God comes with, how influential he can be over your relationships, over your life. If you don't, and, and obviously the skepticism is, it's fair. It's at least fair. I, it's it's not warranted, believe it or not, because God is real. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you believe. Really quickly, I'll just say, you believing in God doesn't make God real. God was real before you believed in him. So don't, right? The universe doesn't wrap around you and what you believe. 
God wraps around you when you believe him. <laughs> that is the beauty. But um, don't, don't again, don't center yourself. Uh, just evaluate it and, and kind of prove God right. Behave, behave and move in a way that is respectable to him and see the miracles that he'll work in your life right before your face to the point where you will not be able to deny it delete it, accredit it to something like coincidence, it, it will be so beyond belief that you won't even you won't even consider it. And that's when you know God. And that's when your whole life changes. And I'm just trying to help people get along. So um, that's happened for me many times. Anyway, um, scripture. Okay, so accredited to him as righteousness. So today, premise is going to be this belief in God um, holding... The, the promise. It's actually more about the promise here. Um, that if you were righteous and if you did the things that I wanted. And and even still, I'm making it sound a lot tougher than it is. So actually, let, me, let the thing just speak for itself. You tell me what it's about after. How about that? Um, so the scripture we're going over, there's going to be three good ones here. One's just one line. Don't worry, it won't be too much. Romans 4, 18 to 25. Genesis 22, 1 to 19, and for some added flavor, Isaiah 45, verse 19. So I wanted to talk about the story of Abraham because Abraham gets tested in a way that, again, I hope none of us get tested or none of us have to experience. Abraham, first, God comes down to him and tells him, you are going to be blessed, like I was like I was describing before. You are going to be blessed, and you are going to basically be the father of my children thereon or thereafter. And he was like, uh, okay, but Abraham knew himself, he knew his family and around him. And so it's purposely included that Abraham was a hundred years old and his wife was 90. And he says this to God when God tells him this when God tells him he's going to be blessed, he's like, well, right now, Lord, I don't know how that's going to happen because I haven't, I don't have any kids. My wife is 90. Well, her, he, it says her womb is dead and I am nearly dead. Something like to that effect. And, um, he's, he's like this, my servant Eliza is actually my heir right now. So, and then God says, don't, worry about it. I'm going to do it. And then right after that is when Genesis 15 verse 6 comes in saying, Abram believed the Lord and credited it to him as righteousness. So it was beyond what Abraham th thought or, or could conceive could happen, right? It was beyond what he knew about the world and about his body, about the things around him. It got, he understood for a moment that God's power was beyond what he could understand. And so he believed God. And he and he said, okay, you said you're going to do it. I believe you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm just a human. I'm limited to my, my mind. I'm limited to what I know and what I've seen. But I know you are God and you are not limited in that way. And you've created all things, actually. So you really have no limits at all. And that's a difference between me and you. And I accept it. And I put my hands up here and put your name on high because... You told me that you're going to do a good thing for me, and that's amazing, and that and and that's incredible. 
But the best part is, is that the Bible continues. And that's just the first, that's just one of the first things. That's one of the first blessings God bestows on his people. And Paul, Paul tells us that that promise is actually made to us. And this belief that Abraham has if we have it, it'll be credited to us as well. And he puts us in line with that promise. He lines us up with that blessing that our children would be as, you know, um, countless as the stars and the sand and, and we would be established, right? That's big. That's really the biggest thing is that God would establish us. So Romans 4, 18 to 25, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it has been said to him quote so shall your offspring be without weakening his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that sarah's womb was also dead yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of god but was strengthened in his face and gave glory to god being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why, quote, it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, quote, it was credited to him, sorry, end quote, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And that is just so exciting. <laughs> and I, I can imagine, you know, it, it doesn't, it's a lot. And if you're not reading it, especially it's like double a lot. But the gist of it here is he's saying, okay, how about this one? 20 sums it up really well. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his face and gave in his faith rather and gave glory to God. So when it comes down to believing things that God tells us, right? Because his his Bible, uh, the Bible is a written word or, or a collection of his written words. And it's hard to believe especially when we see the issues and the problems that go on in the world, that we would be blessed, right? That we would be established beyond belief and that he would root us so deep. It's hard to believe, right? But it's not unbelievable. It's actually a promise that God makes very blatantly. And he says, if you love me and you have faith in me and you can, and you conduct me into your life, maybe that's a weird way to say that, but if you uh, bring me and introduce me into your life, this is what I'm happy to do. This is what I want to do for you, actually. Basically, the Bible is a story about how God wanted to bless and establish his people, but they fell away from the way he designed his world, the way he designed life for us. They move away from that and suffer the consequences. And he's almost like, how can I bless you? You deserve a bad thing. This murder, this injustice, the, the the problems, the fraud that you bring to this life prevents me from blessing you, actually. Because you corrupt it. The blessings that I give you, you corrupt and exploit. 
and, and that's basically what the this the story of the Bible is about. And what really what what that comes back to is this idea that if we believed God and when we heard those things, we put that on our heart, we wouldn't have a desire to try to get over on our brother. We would want our brother and our sister to be established as well. We would want that blessing for them as well. And that's kind of how Paul is forming this. He's saying, just like this promise is made to Abraham, it's made to you as you are made a son of God, right? As you are established through Christ in God. And that's the good news, right? That is literally the good news is that we have this way to God now. People who weren't a people now are people. And that's another thing. <laughs> but anyway, um, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised, right? This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So when when God says this thing, I like I will make water in the wasteland or in the dry land um or for example a better example say is when moses and the israelites are traveling through the desert and moses the people groan for water moses goes to god and he says hit the staff on the rock water will come once again, I will remind you of the things that I do every day. And once again, you'll come back to me. <laughs> Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Forgive me, God. Um, I don't mean to make light of the word at all. I'm just trying to set the, set the story straight. Anyway, um, so it's hard to believe that, right? It's hard to believe that. Let's just be honest. It's a rock. And in our traditional understanding of the way things work, Water doesn't come out of rocks. But remember that God doesn't adhere to those things the way that we understand our limited capacity. He doesn't, he's not limited to that capacity. He doesn't have to make it work and he doesn't have to show himself to you. That, that That's a part of an understanding thing is he can manifest whatever he wants whenever he wants. Why does he owe it to you? You are the created thing. And, th and this is a way that he puts us, he puts it to us to humble us. And it might hurt to hear, but it's important, right? He, he, he says, should the pot say to the potter, why did you design me like this? And it's like, obviously not. I just did what I did. Right? And it wasn't for the pot to establish itself. The pot couldn't do it alone. It needed the potter. Right? It needed a creator. It needed to take, it needed to be given form and shape to be a thing. Right? And that's what God does for us. And when, when we, again our relationship with God will continue to pull us out of this center of focus and center of the world and realize that we are just a, a creative thing, a creative thing, but yet loved and cared for. And I didn't create you for no purpose. I had a great plan for you and I had plans to establish you. And that when we can come around and actually say, God, I believe you. I come down on my knees here today because I know that's what you want for me. And I commit to you. I commit to you all of the things that I have. They're not mine anyway, right? Paul asked this question in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 5. He says, what do you have that you are not given? Right? And once we take our own focus and we remove ourselves from the center and we realize that we were created by God, we don't have anything 
that we were not given. We were given life. So everything that compounds on top of that is fake. <laughs> no, but it's given and it's it's received from God and from creation and from his design and plan toward you. So we don't get to take credit and we don't get to put ourselves at the center and we put God right where he belongs. If you ever look at the design of a temple or um, like the temples in the Bible, it's organized different than our churches are today. And I wonder why, right? The pastor, traditionally today, the pastor will stand at the front and he will give his sayings and he will give, you know, he will read scripture and do his thing. And the people are in the pews organized straight straight along behind it. You know how a church looks for the most part. Um, but the temple back in the day had had God in the in the room at the center. Or if you also look at how the tribes were told to organize um, out in the desert, they had the tabernacle, the place where they met with God was in the center. And they organized themselves outside of that, like the priests and the, the Levites, and, and then the tribes surrounded them. And it was a part, you know, partial uh, protection thing. We had the people and the armies on the outside and God as the heart on the inside. But it, it, it was imagery at the same time that it were the focus and presence of God was in the center of things. And when churches were built, you know, in England and, and all these places in ancient times and maybe even near neighborhood, the church was in the center of the neighborhood. Right, it was the school and the church. They were right next to each other, because those were the foundations. Anyway, um, this is why it was credited him as righteousness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, keeping this gravy train rolling, let's say this. So he believed God, the promise that would be given to his children. Right, he believed it, and so that formed this new relationship with God and people. Um, also, I want to say quickly that that idea that Sarah was going to get pregnant beyond 90 is, or, you know, at the age of 90 is a theme that comes up multiple times in the Bible is, you know, a woman who had no child, who was not given a child her whole life and now is past childbearing age was made or she, she became pregnant. Right. This is Hannah. This is Rebecca. This is Elizabeth. This is Mary. Well, Mary, this is not Mary, <laughs> but it's definitely Hannah, Rebecca and Elizabeth, at least is who I can think of right now. Um, and this is another form of that uh, ma making water in the wasteland or river in the wasteland or rock uh, water come out of a rock um, is that. We can't do it. We can't conceive that it might happen, but God can, and God does it easily, right? He's like, I didn't say that you needed a younger wife or something, Abraham, <laughs> right? He said, I'm going to give you this thing, and you're going to have a good thing. And all he had to do was believe it. He didn't have to ask questions. He didn't say, well, well, actually, this is interesting because he gets a little antsy, say, and he actually sleeps with his wife's handmaid, and that's a whole different story. but eventually he i'm actually okay so l let me be honest here and i'm blending the whole story of abraham and pulling out of this this verse here so uh we'll read more from this story of abraham just give me a momento uh paul is telling us the same relationship is available to us and that's good 
because we want right we don't want god to not work in our life that sounds obvious but we want to do something that's worth something and and god creates this incredible challenge to us to believe him beyond what we see but he's willing to work for you he's just willing but it takes a deep commitment from abraham and after this he was tested right after he was told that he would be blessed he was still tested by god right and this is this can be framed easily in our life right um if you're going to accept the blessing and a new life from God, it's going to come with change. It's going to come with challenges. And God, for the record, God never prom. Well, God never tells you that everything is going to be good. He, he kind of does though. That's the funny part is if you really do live by what he says and you really do what he does, you know what I mean? If you really do what he does, <laughs> if you really make that change and, and, and upheave the things, he tells you these things will not come near you. He tells you this death, this disease, this anxiety and pressure that will not be yours. You, you will have me instead. All of those things they can keep. The devil and his squad, you know, they can do it. Whatever. Have fun. But those things won't come near you because you have me. And there's no authority. There's no power. There's no, especially no demon and no ghost or, or what have you that has this power and this authority. And so... And God is willing to wager that in a way. And he's willing to make that bet and say, prove me wrong almost. I, I don't think you should look at it as like, prove me wrong. I, I think it's better, it's better to say, prove me right. To say, God, I want to explore these promises. I want to know what these ideas are about and how I can be blessed. I want to know, right? I don't want to live this crappy life. I don't want to live stressed out and anxious about a job and money and, and, and these things. I want to know you. I want to know the calmness. That comes with you. I want to know the life that I have with you. And he's like, come check it out, my brother, my son. And you're like, I'll do it. So do it. So, but you're going to be tested. And that sucks to hear, but it doesn't suck because you'll be prepared. Okay. Anyway, faith is the thing that will prepare us. And I'm going deeper into the story of Abraham here to show how Abraham was tested and showed that his faith was really the thing that saved him. Just like it was credited to him as righteousness in the story before, now his faith will save him in a, in a new way and develop a new relationship again. Again, this is a little bit longer, but the story of Abraham, open your Bibles, uh, Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. This is Abraham tested. Okay. <coughs> oh. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Okay, verses 1 and 2. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go up on this mountain and sacrifice him there. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and that is like, doesn't that sound wrong? Right? Like something, something's up here early. Okay. Okay. 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two, two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with a donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, excuse me, <coughs> Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel, angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in a thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And this just goes on a little bit more, but it tells the whole story. Verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Probably didn't need that last verse in there. Okay, so... That's a nice story, Eric. Why did you tell me that one? That's a good question. So, Abraham is tested and told that he needs to sacrifice his son on a mountain. And God, so many times throughout the Bible, after this, this is one of the first stories, but after this, explains that that is a terrible thing to do. And I will never ask you to do that, actually. But the weird thing is, he asked him to do it. Right, he asks Abraham to do the thing he says he he actually hates and disgusts, and I have no desire for that at all. Later on, and so this is a challenge, right? That that's presented to Abraham, right? That he would have this that God would have laid a foundation for this expectation of not sacrificing your son to him, and then later, well in his life, asked him to do it. And so 
it takes him beyond again it, it puts this it puts abraham in this weird position where he's not seen things like this before he doesn't understand the purpose of this he knows that god wants to bless him yet he's telling him he wants to bless him and his offspring right he want he wants to bless him to all the nations and i'm and i'm chronologically going back and forth for anyone who understands like the organization but just hear me out right he he has that plan for him yet he says that offspring that you didn't even think you were going to get i'm going to ask you to uh go sacrifice him on the mountain to me give me your son that's what i want you to do so go do it and he's like yes that's what i'm going to do because i i trust god i don't understand the plan i don't understand the larger things about all this but god who tells me things and made a promise to me already told me to do something so it sounds like this is something that i now need to do so he goes up on the mountain and even his son right his son is with him who's about to get sacrificed i don't know how old he is um they they imagine him to be like a young boy like 14 or 16 or something um forgive me if it's more obvious than that um and he says this da, 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 da. he says father yes my son abraham replied the fire and wood are here isaac said but where is the lamb for the burnt offering and it's and so obviously Isaac's getting like a little confused. I, I'm not sure that he's thinking it's going to be me. I don't, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's where he's at, but he's obviously confused and concerned. Like, okay, so what's the deal? And even though Abraham was told by God that he would have to sacrifice his son, Abraham replies in great faith. He comes, he comes with some energy and some life here. And he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So it's almost like in the back of his mind, Abraham knows that God doesn't really want him to do this, that God will provide to him a, a way out of this predicament. And God will see it through and, and keep his promise altogether, right? Altogether, he says that, and he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And I think right here, uh, and there are other places in this verse, obviously, that that should, um, in this chapter, that should perk our ears up and we should hear Jesus undertones all over this story, right? When he says, take your son, your only son whom you love. Well, that's exactly what God calls Jesus at the day or says to, says about Jesus at the day of his baptism, right? This is my son, my only son whom I love. But so now, now we're starting to draw these lines and pull these promises together. And we're starting to see this is exactly what God had intended, right? He says to Abraham, sacrifice your son for me. And then once, once he shows that he's willing to do it and has literally his son tied up on the altar with a, a, the knife to his neck, the angel comes down and says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. And I'm sure if you understand the, if you're understanding Jesus and some of the things that he said, well, you can hear it. He's bringing back that 
my uh, me, your son, your only son. And now it turns into, oh, so God said to Abraham, give to me your son. And he provides a lamb in the place of the son. And so in a way, that's what he does, right? Jesus is the lamb slain, right? Jesus is a lamb, right? He is that lamb, the king and the lamb in, in the most beautiful way. But um, he he was provided in place for the one who deserved to die or was told that they were going to die, however you want to put it, right? He God said, I see now that you will go this far for me. So I will go this far for you, all right? I will give you my son. Because you were willing to give me your son, I will give you my son. My son is going to accomplish a lot. My son, I have a plan for my son and it was intended and it may very well have come out in this way because Abraham responded in faith and acted how he, how he needed to act, how he told, how he was told. God told him the new thing. God changed the relationship with his people for a hot second and he was willing to act and willing to be. And he, and he answered that call. And so God blesses him for it. And reiterates his promise and even gives him a lamb that's caught in the thicket to provide as a sacrifice in place of Isaac. And now I'm sure you can see all of the Jesus written all over this. And right, this is like the, the fourth story in the Bible, or, you know, or this is what Genesis chapter 22. So this is a few chapters into the first book of the Bible, right? And this is the beauty, and this is how deeply interwoven the Bible is. And just to reiterate the, the point we're sending home today is that a belief in God requires a belief beyond what we can understand. And that's what faith is. Faith is, is not always seeing. Faith is believing in something that you cannot always see. Because you, it's if you ask me, it's probably just because we can't perceive it. Like we can't see it like God can see it. He can see it clearly, clear as day. And it was already planned. And it was already written for you. Don't get too caught up on that. But we don't experience it that way. It's not very clear to us that my wife, who is 90 years old, was going to get pregnant. Right? It was not always clear that I wasn't going to have to sacrifice my son with a knife on a mountaintop, right? It wasn't always clear, yet it's clear to God. I understand that it's clear to God. And so I want to be on God's team. I want to explore what it is that he promised for me and for my people. And I want a part of that. I, that sounds great to me. So I, I work in belief, and I work in belief beyond what is seen. And that's a challenge. It's not like, you know, it's, I, it's not more of a challenge than being told to sacrifice your son on a mountaintop. Don't get me wrong, but it is a challenge. And I, and I respect the struggle that you have with it. And I and I won't make it nonchalant, but I will say we are very foolish. So don't be fooled. <laughs> um, so that 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 was the, the bread and the butter of our thing today, right? It, it sounds familiar. This sounds like a repeated theme. Um, the deep fear. All right, I wrote a few things down. Just let me let me make sure I covered all my bases here, right? This deep fear and respect is what was valued from God, right? When He said, "Now I know that you fear the Lord." Um, 
you will be blessed, essentially. That fear is like this deep respect and reverence and understanding that all of these things beyond what we can understand are going to happen and can happen. And when God says it will happen, it will be done, right? There's no there's no other authority. There's no other thing that can step in and, and revoke that. God's word is permanent. And so he looks at the, God looks at the promises he made to you in the Bible as a permanent thing. And he takes the steps to ensure their permanence. And he continues to reconcile people back to him when they fall astray. He continues to do that. And so you just have to take that word for what it's actually worth. And it's worth more than gold. That's that's what the Bible says, but I, that's just my own personal testimony. It, there is no thing worth more than God. There is no collection of things worth more than God because God is all of those things and more and you. Imagine that. <laughs> um, so let me let me go because I had one more verse in here that I wanted to share. Doesn't provide doesn't God provide another sacrifice in our place instead of me? And that was obviously like a creative way to bring in that Jesus idea. But I was just rolling with it. You know, I was just rolling with it. I hope you enjoyed it. God doesn't take us this far for no reason, right? Abraham showed he would give his son, and so God gave his son. And just a, a, another like verse that reflects how God shows God sees himself in his word and how we are to see himself in his word. Um, he gives us this in Isaiah. In Isaiah 45, verse 19, he says, I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And that's just, right. that's a lot. That's a, uh, he's saying, this is what it is. You can find out for yourself. And I did not tell you, seek me in vain, right? I didn't say seek me in vain. I said, seek me because it was worth something and because it mattered, right? I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. It was my sense of morality that mattered. It was my sense of understanding about the topic that mattered. It wasn't yours. You can hardly affect it, right? You, you'd you be better off just listening to me. That's basically all he's saying. Um, I, I come off, so sorry, when I, um, like when I come off reading God, especially in these uh, strong attitudes, um, I, 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 I lay it on thick and I, and I hope he approves of it. And I think he does. But like in a lot of these verses, he's very angry. And if it hurts you when I say it like that, it's because you're getting to know God. If it doesn't hurt you, it's because you're a senseless buffoon. Just kidding. You are not a senseless buffoon, but maybe your senses are not tuned to the most high. And it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, one more time. I have not spoken in secret, right? Where is God's word not now? You know, it's not like this was a little secret that, you know, only a few rich people had under the, like, you know, under a cover, literally KKK, just kidding. Um, it was not like he said, he says, I have not spoken in secret. Like it wasn't something that was hidden from the world, right? There's a, there's a Bible everywhere. 
God's word is everywhere. You know, you can literally look on anyone's Instagram and you see the verses and da 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 da. Right? No, none of this stuff is hidden from us, right? I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a in a land of darkness, right? There's a church on every corner for a reason. <laughs> I am not hidden from you. Um, you'd like to hide me sometimes, but I'm not hidden from you. And you are certainly not hidden from me. <laughs> I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain, right? It, it wasn't an empty promise that he was going to make to us. It was something that I was going to, to deliver on. So I, one more time, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. So we have a duty to God. And all it is in the end is this, this summary of love him and believe him. Believe what he says and know that he means it. And know that if you put it on high and you, and, and you, and you hear that and invest your faith in that, that you will be invested in beyond what you, what you can do, right? Like he, he, he was, Isaac was going to give his son who was worth a thing, but we got Jesus who was worth all of the lives in the entire world. And I guess in a way, Isaac was too. So it's all just beautifully reciprocal and able to be consumed and understood in so many different ways. And that is the beauty of the way the Lord's word applies itself and guides us. And let it guide you. Fall in love with it. Get to know him. And you will not regret it. It is beyond regret. It is You will regret that you waited this long. <laughs> but there's no regrets. You are a new creation. Thank God. Thank you all for listening. God bless you.